0: It's the Do Politics Better Podcast. I'm Brian Lewis.
1: And I'm Sky David. In the comeback victory, the Longleaf Pines beat the old North State.
0: Oh man, we whooped you guys.
1: But we're all North Carolina North Carolinians, so who wins?
0: Yeah, Everyone won last night, right? 28 folks come out to play kickball in Halifax Mall, which is right behind the General Assembly. So fun. Perfect night, perfect temperature. Fun crowd.
1: Growing up, we had a skating rink in my town that everybody went to on Fridays. And they would have a race where you were like trying to skate faster than everybody around the circle. And at the end, he would be like, and the winner is everybody. <laughs> and you're like, that's not true. I won.
0: <laughs> but you would have felt that way last night, right? Because I, I don't think you liked losing.
1: No, I didn't. And I, I'm sorry to the people who were around me if they made an error that I let them know that they made
0: errors. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. You got to be honest. Okay. When I was on first base and I scored from first to home, pretty good, right?
1: It was pretty good. <laughs> it was it was something. I mean, we had people diving last night, like sliding into bases. Like things were just getting wild.
0: Yeah. Carl, when he threw the ball and hit... Kind of an elderly lady who was playing with (laughs) us. Yeah,
1: that might have been a low.
0: That was a low, and when she just toppled and rolled and was (laughs) like... And then
1: crawled to the home plate, she was like, I'm old, why are you doing this to me?
0: And Carl just kind of shrugs his shoulders and walks back to his position. Probably not the best moment of the night, but it sure was entertaining, and Carl, you're never, ever going to live that down.
1: No. When we were walking over to the longleaf afterwards he was talking about that I was like carl you hit women <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's all in the game
1: he clearly does not care
0: carl gilmore wow but we had a lot of legislators come and join some new legislators uh, representative dennis rydell he mm-hmm. played he was on our team the victorious team we had representative chris humphrey first time player along with senator kirk devier Just a great evening, and hopefully we'll do it again. I guess we're going to be here for a long time. This week we heard some news about budget negotiations. They seem to be moving, not at a fast pace, but the conversation is still going.
1: I do like that at the end of the one house session per week, the speaker really gives everybody an update on, hey, this is what's going on. This is where we're at. And he gave an update and said, you know, we had sent that over, our counter proposal over to the governor. And he said, I think, to the news gaggle afterwards, hey, we're at the point where we're either going to have a deal soon or we're going to move forward with a legislative proposal.
0: We've talked about it on the podcast as plan B, and that would be. Go ahead, put that budget together, send it over to the governor. With budget negotiations, if they're not working out, let the governor veto the budget, and then that comes back over to the General Assembly. Now, what this would require is the Democrats who've been voting for the budget up until now, will they stick with that yes vote, or will they back the governor on a veto?
1: I think Representative Sane said, you know, we haven't had... discussions. No one's walked away from the table or gotten mad. So there is that positivity in the air.
0: Yeah, yeah. A lot of the differences seem to be centered, at least from what we are hearing. Medicaid expansion, that's an issue. The size of the teacher raises and state employee raises. I haven't heard a lot of discussion about the tax cuts. I'm just assuming that the governor likely had the corporate tax off the table and senator newton and the finance chairs uh, have the franchise tax back on the table i bet that's where the compromise is
1: we're recording on thursday morning and yesterday the house had their one session of the week the senate didn't have any recorded votes this week and in that session it had been put off for a couple of weeks the actual vote on the Emergency Powers Accountability Act, which I think is House Bill 264. And Representative Keith Kidwell stood up and said, let's concur with the Senate's vote. This is a non-controversial bill or something like that. And I was fully prepared to sit there for hours. But not a single person debated that bill. And it may be because they have debated it again and again and again. Since last year.
0: Yeah. And this emergency powers, but we've talked about it on the podcast. This limits the governor's ability to put us under an emergency order. He can do that under the bill. But the General Assembly has some timeline in which if they come into session, they have a say in the emergency powers. That's right. One Democrat voted for the bill yesterday on the House floor. That is Representative Michael Ray.
1: I did see that Stephen Wiley tweeted last night that a replacement for Representative Bumgarner has been named. He is a former Gaston County Commissioner. His name is Donnie Loftus, and he has been appointed to Representative Bumgarner's seat.
0: So when these positions are open, the way they pick the replacement is the executive board of the political party of that seat, whoever stepped down or in this case... Representative Bumgardner died in office. The Republican Party in Gaston County, their executive board, made this selection. They will send this to the governor. The governor officially makes the appointment, but under state law, he must appoint whoever is recommended to him by that entity. So we welcome Representative Donnie Loftus or Representative Select Donnie Loftus to the House. I assume he will be sworn in next week.
1: That is interesting. So he couldn't deny someone like if they were incredibly controversial or something?
0: My understanding is no. If the governor gets a recommendation from that executive board, that governor is directed by state law to make that appointment.
1: That's interesting because then why even have the governor involved?
0: Good question. Okay. <laughs> that is a good, good question. We'd love to hear any background out there. If, if someone wants to tweet at us or, or send us a note, we'd love to hear what the background was, but it has been the case since I've been at the General Assembly.
1: On Tuesday, a rumor that everyone has been hearing was confirmed, and that is that longtime Representative David Price is not running for re-election and that's a heavily democratic district so that will almost certainly be decided in the primary and in the last 48 hours we've heard a lot of announcements of people considering it and or saying that they are not running.
0: We heard Senator Wiley Nickel, who seems like he's been running for Congress for a year, although we didn't know what district it is. Yeah,
1: not Uh, a surprise.
0: Not a surprise. Former State Senator Floyd McKissick from Durham has put his name in, or at least floated his name. And then it seems a very serious contender would be Senator Mike Woodard from Durham, who we've had on the podcast. That will be a fun race to watch.
1: Right. Things are heating up with elections. Folks have to file in December. And I think that primary is in March. So you kind of have this timeline where once redistricting maps are done, then we know what the districts will look like and then folks will decide whether or not they're going to run. But between those maps being finalized and the filing deadline is a short period of time. So people are already making those considerations.
0: Representative Tim Moffitt stopped by the new frame office this week and we sat down and just had a great conversation about a very, very intriguing man.
1: This, interview was a long-awaited interview we had been trying to schedule this for a while and it was worth the wait just like the state fair the do politics better
0: podcast is supported by the north carolina travel industry association founded in 1955 nctia has a distinguished history of partnering with the north carolina general assembly to strengthen and preserve tourism in north carolina Visit
1: nctia.travel for more information on how you can support your local tourism destination and the thousands of North Carolina jobs it creates. Representative Tim Moffitt, welcome to the podcast.
2: It's good to be here, thanks for having me.
1: Just to kick us off, can you tell us about your district? Where is it, what makes it special to you?
2: Well, my current district is in Henderson County and it's actually where I grew up, but my former district, where I got to know Brian. Uh, was in Buncombe County. So Mm -hmm. I represented the western uh, half of Buncombe County, which included uh, South Asheville. Uh, So the district change is dramatic between the Buncombe County District and the Henderson County District. Uh, Chuck McGrady, who had this seat prior to me, often said that I was probably better suited for his district at the time, which is the one I serve in now, and that he would have been better for my district that I used to serve in in Buncombe County. So it's, we've always had some, yeah. some quiet humor in discussing <laughs> how he and I are principally the same in a lot of ways, but there are some fundamental differences that probably would better serve him in Buncombe than in Henderson.
1: What is in your district?
2: Well, my district is about two thirds of Henderson County. Okay so um you know i've got a handful of townships that are there but we've got sierra nevada which is a go-to place if you're ever in my district i would encourage you to go to sierra nevada they did an excellent job in building their east coast um you know production facility their east coast brewery which i had a hand in back in i guess 2012 i guess 2011 is when we as a state were faced with an opportunity to have some East Coast breweries located in North Carolina. And I had the opportunity working with Senator Apodaca and also my colleague Chuck McGrady in really changing the law Mm -hmm. that allowed them to locate in our area. So we have Sierra Nevada in Henderson County, we've got New Belgium in Buncombe County, and we have Oscar Blues in Transylvania County. So we really landed three great East Coast breweries.
0: Can you explain your politics? What is the Tim Moffat political ideology that you subscribe to?
2: I would say that uh, I'm a conservative. Mm-hmm. There's there's no question about that. Uh, the things that drive me are probably uh, um, more fiscally related. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that some folks would re- could re, um, consider me a policy wonk mm-hmm. at some point? Because I really get—I really enjoy getting into the complicated things and solving these complicated issues by bringing simple solutions forward. And I don't—I don't really get mired in what I would consider the social politics. Those mm-hmm. things don't really interest me as a father, as a business owner. Um, you know, I accept people for who they are, and—and mm-hmm. and I think bringing any type of you know, social mores forward and how I see people is unfair generally, so I kind of stay away from those.
0: I know you don't like labels necessarily, but is that a more of a libertarian conservative? Is that how you see yourself?
2: I would think so. I would say that I probably have a lot of libertarian streaks that, that, um, you know, course through my veins, but uh, I'm, I'm Republican. Yeah, Yeah, and I'm proud to be.
0: When I first met you, it was your first time in the General Assembly. You and I had a conversation about your kind of coming up. You graduated from high school, and and you went into the business world.
2: Can you share that story with listeners? I was attending college, and one of my professors was actually involved with uh, a gentleman that was a management consultant. And he had asked her if there was anyone in her Uh, classes that he could possibly mentor, and she recommended me, and he happened to be one of my customers at a retail store Mm -hmm. that I was working in. So he recruited me in 1986 uh, for a fabulous career in management consulting. So Mm -hmm. I joined up uh, with, with his firm, and he mentored me, and I started my own firm a handful of years later. And we just celebrated our 31st anniversary. Oh, wow. So it's been a great ride.
0: This gap in between your first stint at the General Assembly, you left, and now you're back in the General Assembly. What'd you do during the gap?
2: So in 2014, I lost uh, my, uh, my bid for re-election. And uh, so that's tough. That's mm-hmm. tough. So uh, a lot of folks don't uh, realize that when you're in the General Assembly or you're in Congress, there's a certain degree of deference that you're given. You know? mm-hmm. So there's, uh, you're, you're the honorable, you're, you're relevant. Mm-hmm. But the moment you're no longer part of that um, establishment or, or that uh, um, esteemed body, then you're really no longer relevant. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a tough transition to make. And a lot of folks that that left after I did voluntarily mm-hmm. uh, would often call me and want to know what it was like on the other side. And that's the first thing I tell them is that you go from relevant to not being relevant, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a it's a change that you have to make. So losing re-election was tough mm-hmm. because I was ranked the most effective lawmaker in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and my reward was losing re-election. Mm-hmm. So that was that was difficult for me. When I got on the other side of that, I had an opportunity to get involved in local politics. Mm-hmm and i was appointed to complete uh, the the second year of one of our county commissioners on the buncombe county uh, commission and that was very helpful that was very helpful for a couple of reasons first it um it allowed me to use some skills i had developed in in the legislature to help buncombe county but i think more importantly is i went into a seat that was represented by the minority on that commission and what that really demonstrated to me is that the minority can sometimes be ignored. Mm-hmm. The, the, they can be invalidated, they can be uh, disregarded simply because they're the minority. And it's made me very aware of that. So my return to the General Assembly has caused me to be um, thoughtful, mm-hmm. more thoughtful. I felt I was thoughtful before yeah. uh, because I always included as many different voices as I could in my efforts. But I'm doing so with intent now because I do value other people's opinions. And I think it's important to to see an an issue from all sides. But have the courage to stick to your convictions. Mm -hmm. But you do it from a a position of greater knowledge and greater understanding versus just being convinced that you know the answer. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought that was very helpful. So when I had an opportunity to actually move uh, back to Henderson County, I did so. Didn't ever expect to return to the General Assembly, because I think once you leave, you feel like you're done. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when Chuck McGrady had announced that he was not going to come back, um, he quickly uh, courted me to follow in his footsteps, and here we are.
1: So we've talked about you being in the House, leaving, serving in local government, and coming back. Let's take it back a step. When did you first become involved in politics and what got you lit up about politics?
2: That's a great question. So I had a, a failed attempt at city council run in 1995. And and really there was 27 people vying for, I think, three seats. Wow. Wow. And I was part of a local business uh, group. and and they convinced myself and three other people just to throw our hat in a ring just to see if we could get get lucky so i don't consider that a valid run mm-hmm. at all so let's go to 2008. so i was recruited to run for the legislature in 2008 uh, a couple of weeks before the end of uh, filing deadline okay yeah and so i never really thought about it as a matter of mm-hmm. fact when i got the call from skip stam introduced himself as the house minority leader didn't mean anything to me wow. at all uh, so he asked uh, if he could come chat with me, so he, he i agreed and it was a it 's a funny story if you have a moment i 'll share yeah, it with please you do yeah, yeah. yeah. so i 'm kind of the the rebel with the cause mm-hmm. very uh independent uh you know very um ruggedly individual mm-hmm. and individualistic. So Skip Stam shows up into the office, and, they, and I'm in the boardroom, so they bring him back to the boardroom, and the first thing he sees is a guy with long hair, a beard, and an earring, and the blood actually drains from his face. I mean, he became <laughs> immediately pale. Uh-huh. And if you know Skip, uh-huh. that's Skip.
0: High and tight haircut. Yeah,
2: and he's just a just a wonderful, very kind man. So yeah. he, he sat down at the table and we started talking, and he knew within about thirty seconds that I was, um, you know, a very principled, you know, conservative, someone that believed in free markets and individual responsibility. So, uh, so he asked me, you know, he asked me to consider running for the legislature, and that was an interesting time in my life. I was in the process of going through a divorce, mm-hmm. I had three sons. And actually, talked to everybody about whether or not I should, you know, take this on, and and it was it was it was the right decision. Yeah. So I lost that. That was uh, I lost that election. That was a a, a year that was more of a, a national Democrat year yeah. with um, President Obama on the, the on the ticket at that time, just as a candidate. So. It was tough. I think when you run for office, the first thing you find out is who your friends are mm-hmm. and you get a lot of empty promises and you have to make a lot of decisions that will impact you negatively from a financial standpoint. And at the end of that race, I was very disappointed. I was very disappointed in the, the loss is one thing because I'm very competitive, but that that I can I can manage. What Disappoints you more is all the folks that make commitments to you that just don't fulfill those commitments mm-hmm. and so they kind of isolate you and leave you out there and and um, It was it was a race that perhaps I, I could have won if I had more resources uh, I know that uh, senator Tillis who was just a member of the house at that time uh, um, Used my race as an example of how we could put together a coalition of the right kinds of people mm-hmm. uh, that could run uh, in 2010, and he asked me to consider, you know, running again. And I expressed to him my frustrations about my experiences, and he made a commitment to me that he would be there every step of the way, and he was. And that's one thing I, I admire greatly about uh, Tom Tillis yeah. is that he, when he gives you his word, mm. he's he he means it, and he he lives up to it.
0: Yeah. And he put together that year an incredible candidate roster that um, it was a good year for Republicans, but also some of the most diverse, talented Republican class I'd seen.
2: Oh, and I'll agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Even who though was, I was a part of that class, I'll agree with you. It was something. But, you know, so. I mean, the, you guys
0: were all over the spectrum, too, right? We were. I mean, yeah. We were, sure. Reflective of districts, reflective of communities.
2: And we were running understanding that the Republicans at the time were in the minority. Yeah. So that we had no, um, no idea at that time that when we came in that we would be part of the new majority. We were prepared to serve and serve well in the minority. And it just so happens that uh, we won and we became the majority party.
0: Democrats have said this, that they really enjoy working with you. Uh, Representative Allison Dahl, who's been on the podcast, has mentioned you several times. And then the person that you ran against in 2014, who, who defeated you, has also said that he enjoys working under your leadership in committee and on the House, and it's frequent to see the two of you huddled up Discussing, I presume, legislation and what's going to happen. Why are Democrats saying this about you?
2: Well, it's, it's nice to hear. I, I, I'm just me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm wired in a way to where uh, I accept people for for who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly like to mirror the way that they, um, you know, they, they treat me, and I have found that, you know, kindness. And respect is something that comes free of charge, and uh, anything else has too high a price to pay. So I value folks. I value both sides of the aisle. I value young, old, um, you know, different, different cultures, different life experiences. I understand that I have no idea what someone's life experience is about no more than they could pretend to know what mine is Mm -hmm. Uh, so i accept that and i try to really um, lift everyone up to allow them to have a voice in in every step of the process that we make in a very interesting time politically Mm -hmm. and that's just the way i approach things
0: yeah in a time where people want to get revenge it is refreshing to see right you've seen this been around politics a while it's it's uncommon to to see it well
2: i mean i graduated from high school a long time ago so um but (laughs) but i but occasionally you'll see some of that high school mentality um you know occur in the general assembly and to me it's it's pointless we you know we have one life to live as far Mm -hmm. as we know on in this on this great planet in this great country and why waste time uh, pursuing those types of, of things? We have an obligation to bring good policy forward for the folks back home, mm-hmm. uh, as it impacts our state, as our state contributes to the nation as a whole. So why? I don't. I, I just don't. I don't get wrapped around the axle of personal grudges or personality conflicts or differences. It's pointless. So let's let's work together. Let's let's find. Uh, solutions to these issues that we have, and just because we're in the majority party doesn't mean that we have all the answers, and I think it would be very um, uh, arrogant on our part to believe that we do, and my door is open to anyone and everyone mm-hmm. to, that wants to participate in solving these problems. Yeah.
1: So from the outside looking in, if someone asked me to describe your work style, I would say efficient. You appear to be very efficient, you are solution focused, and as Brian said, you, you kind of like run through things. I remember when session started, like a, the first few bills were all your bills that passed. What is a bill or a solution that you've come to that you're really proud of?
2: Well, that's a great question, and, and it's, it's interesting. Uh, the, the most recent bill, which was um, House Bill 890, which mm-hmm. was the, our alcoholic beverage uh, committee's omnibus bill, for some reason, it stands out in my mind. I'm not sure if it's because it's the the freshest thing that I've done or it was very complex. Uh, it was something that took a lot of work and it's something that uh, really you know came through the House and the Senate with with little uh, with little debate on on either floor. So that one mm-hmm. uh, to, to answer your question, I think that one and and it's something that um, has immediate impact uh, across our state and, and a lot of times as a lawmaker you 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 craft these policies or these solutions to these problems and you know the downstream impact is something that could take years before it's recognized or realized as far as reflective of your work in this instance the moment that the bill was signed into law it was immediately impactful in a lot mm-hmm. of areas and that, so I enjoyed that aspect of mm-hmm.
1: it now's your chance to go ahead and say you were the first person
2: yeah well, that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so despite what other folks are saying <laughs> uh, I was the first person to actually legally purchase a distilled spirit on a Sunday uh-huh. since prior to prohibition
0: it's pretty cool it is cool that is cool can, I, can
2: yes. we ask what you bought Yeah, so I actually uh, went to uh, an event to celebrate uh, that occasion. Uh, It was at Southern Distilling Uh in uh, Statesville. And they have a bourbon that is solely produced at their distillery. And this one was five years old. It's Paragon. Okay. So that was the one that I purchased.
0: All right. All right. That's good. So let's talk a little bit about your chairing the House ABC Committee at a time when there is a supply shortage going on there are problems with the system as far as delivery and this new computer system You're, you you reference house bill 890 which took a lot of stakeholders it looked like it just cruised through the general assembly but i know you were in countless meetings with various stakeholders distillers abc boards everyone can you talk about this responsibility during this time right now and 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 what that is like for you
2: uh it's interesting time it is a complex time to be uh, the chair of the uh, abc committee um well i enjoy it Mm -hmm. It's, it's a complicated um area of the law uh, it's chapter 18B, for those of you that are policy wonks. Uh, and I've told many people that when you kind of walk through that chapter, it's like the rings of an oak tree. You can see how legislation has been adopted to reward friends and punish enemies over the decades that these laws have been enacted. Uh, my job, I feel, is to modernize a very antiquated, complicated area of the law. Um, I feel like I've made progress along that line. and and right in the middle of it we start having issues with getting product from the warehouse to our abc stores as one of uh, 17 16 or 17 control states nationwide uh, we have 439 stores that are that are uh, the only outlets where you can legally buy a distilled spirit in our state and we have two warehouses so, we have about 429,000 square feet of warehouse space. We have a, a private contractor that's responsible for warehousing and distributing the alcohol. And we have these stores that have empty shelves. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, our, our adjacent states, most of which are not control states, their stores are full. And our hospitality industry, our local uh, governments that rely on the tax revenue generated from alcohol sales are all suffering because there's a huge disconnect between getting the 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 product from the warehouse to the local stores so it's challenging it's Mm -hmm. very difficult
0: and complicated and layered and
2: it's very complicated but what's interesting and this is one thing that's kind of Um, the way that I I approach things is I I, I want to solve problems so I try to bring as I mentioned earlier simple solutions to complex problems and although that may sound you know passe what I'm really saying is that I'm willing to make the the tough policy decision which may be a difficult one Mm -hmm. but I'm willing to make that decision and I don't really deal with turf battles really well because when turf battles enter into the equation then nothing gets accomplished Mm -hmm. and when you're looking at this complicated area of the law a control state a a system that's been under um, constant strain through the threat of privatization over the last few years uh you know everybody's kind of huddled up in their corner playing defense and they're not really willing to come forward with any um serious intent about solving this this particular issue as far as the supply goes There's, we had a a committee hearing last week that lasted for a couple of hours and i will say that we were long on excuses and short on solutions mm-hmm. so we continue to dig into what the real problem is and i think what they're hoping is that through the passage of time that enough supply will get into the stores and this issue will be in the rearview mirror From my point of view, that may be true. Um, That may take the pressure off from the local standpoint, but from a policy perspective, we need to continue to dig in and find out really what caused the problem and make sure it doesn't happen again. I
0: had a young lobbyist ask me to sum you up to him, as it pertains even to ABC issues. And I said that Chairman Moffat does not believe in saving sacred cows just because they're sacred. You're not sentimental about these things. Just because that's the way we've been doing it, we're going to keep on doing it. And so he needs to really bring his game to you. Uh,
2: fair? Very fair, yeah. sure. Yeah.
1: Our politics today are increasingly divided. If you could fix one thing in our political system, one thing with a magic wand solved today, what would that thing be?
2: I think we live in a different time or a difficult time politically simply because we allow it to be a difficult time politically. I think that um, we don't allow ourselves the the opportunity to be reflective or considerate of other folks appreciating their differences. Mm-hmm. And I think the media culture that we live in, the the social media culture that we live in, they thrive on highlighting our differences without really highlighting what we have in common. So a single magic wand moment would be for everyone to take a step back and see what we have in common versus highlighting what we have not in common. And that would be the thing that I would encourage folks to do because I think in large measure, we all have far more in common we have that would be differences between us yeah
0: i agree well representative tim moffitt we appreciate everything you do for your district we appreciate everything you do for the state you certainly know how to do politics better thank you
2: sir for being on the podcast thank you brian thank you sky i really enjoyed it
1: The Do Politics Better podcast is sponsored by the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association. Beer and wine distributors in North Carolina are family-owned companies that directly employ more than 5,600 men and women across the state. The North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association works with the General Assembly to develop alcohol policies that ensure fairness in a competitive marketplace and promote responsible behavior. Visit the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association at ncbeerwine.com for more information.
0: I have known Representative Tim Moffitt for 10 years now. I have always felt that he is one of the most interesting legislators at the General Assembly. The way he approaches policy is, as you pointed out, how efficient he is. He is one of those legislators that likes to convene stakeholders. And you're not always going to get what you want from him. But he does listen. He takes input. I, I thought it was so interesting, Sky, to hear him talk about the loss in 2014. That was a very painful moment, I know, for him. Mm-hmm. but and The relevancy. Yeah. It really did change his perspective. He's still the hard charger that we all know him to be.
1: So as the chair of the ABC committee and Our ABC system is going through some issues right now. It will be fun to watch how he decides to tackle those issues in the coming years, what that looks like, a modernization of the system, if you will.
0: There's no one I would rather have than Representative Tim Moffat working on such a complex problem. He's going to do great things. Tweet of the week. Tweet of the week.
1: I'm going to start by saying we're big take your medicine people. That goes at the General Assembly in life. If you're going to take a loss, you ride it out, you take your loss, admit when you're wrong. So there was a tweet yesterday by Marshall Conrad, and he was quote tweeting Brian's tweet about the kickball game. And it said strong players needed for Brian's team. I'm not sure he can handle another butt kicking like John Bell, Sky. Senator Johnson, Senator Lazara, myself, and others gave him last time. Mm, as was, as we that, that now hurt, that know, that hurt
0: yesterday. By the way,
1: well, you retweeted it. Didn't hurt that bad. <laughs> as we know, Brian's team won.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: However, this was a different assortment of teams.
0: Oh yeah, but I was on the team. I was on the winning team. <laughs>
1: right. So Marshall then tweeted last night: "A good man admits when he's wrong. I have to apologize to New Frame." His team kicked our butts tonight.
0: Oh man, <laughs> way to go Marshall Conrad. You played well by the way. You know, the first kick, he he just belted the ball and I misjudged it. I took two steps in instead of two steps out and the ball went sailing over my head into center field. Marshall's a great player, great kickball player, great lobbyist, former staffer for representative John Soka. Good guy.
1: So on Tuesday, We went to a judiciary committee, and one of your favorite legislators was presenting the bill.
0: Yeah, Representative Lee Zachary.
1: And we went and asked him if he wanted to have a drink with us later that day, and he said that he had to go to an event, but we could come hang out in his office just right then. And so we did that. And I'm going to back up a little bit. The thing to know about Brian Lewis is that he makes up these lies and they are lies and you stick to them and he will defend them as if it were the truth and so sometimes it gets a little blurry like i can't even tell if this is a serious story or not but with representative zachary it was not so in 2019, Brian just became, I don't know how he settled on Lee Zachary. This was shortly before or after he told me that my dad called him every morning at 5 a.m.
0: <laughs> right, he does. <laughs>
1: okay, see? <laughs> but with Lee Zachary, Brian started putting things in our shared Google calendar that he was doing events with Lee Zachary every day. Like one day would say, ask Lee Zachary at 4 p.m., ask Lee Zachary who killed JFK. The yep. next day at 6 p.m., throw a football with Lee Zachary. Things like that. And he took and, the and time. And that time we
0: went Christmas shopping together too, Lee Zachary and I.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this man took the time to do this for like a full two months. <laughs> yeah. Every day there was an event, not at the same time, and they were all different events. So what was funny about that is that Brian really never spoke to Lee Zachary, aside from probably saying hi to him in the hallway. Yeah. And I have worked with him on some judiciary issues. And so this year I had an issue Well, I asked him to be on a bill and I asked Brian, do you want to go with me? So the Lee Zachary joke got a little bit bigger for Christmas in 2019 when Bart, Goodson gave Brian a gift, and it was supposedly an autographed picture of Lee Zachary for Christmas. And now it is in our office.
0: Yeah, come by and visit our office, and and you'll see that we have it prominently displayed yeah. at the office. So he he's an older legislator. Uh, he's an attorney. And he tells the best stories, and they're kind of meandering stories, and it takes a while to get to the point. So, when he invited us to his office on Tuesday, and he said, You know, I got a couple red stripes in the office, let's have a beer and talk. And uh, Representative Ted Davis came in for a little while, and we just sat and and just talked, and it was like a good hour, yeah. and and it was a lot of fun. He really is a nice man, and my imagination may have gotten the best of us in 2019. But But
1: now you're actual friends. We're
0: actual friends, and so when I turned 50 this summer, (laughs) one of the highlights of my birthday, of many highlights, thank you to you and Julie for throwing me a surprise party, but Sky plays this video, and on this video, Representative Lee Zachary is wishing me a happy 50th birthday. It meant a lot. So Tuesday... Was we tu- can
1: link the YouTube if everyone wants to see it.
0: <laughs> it was a great moment, and uh, Representative Zachary is a great guy. And I, I hope we can sit around his office and have a beer again. He says he's going to come by the office because we're going to have him on the podcast.
1: (laughs) And he even made the joke about meandering. He was like, it's going to have to be multiple episodes.
0: (laughs) So, In addition to I Saw Danny Britt podcast series, (laughs) we might do the uh, Christmas Shopping with Lee Zachary podcast series.
1: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) We have so much content.
0: (laughs) We do. but uh, Anyway, thank you, Representative Zachary, for having us over Tuesday afternoons. Great, great fun.
1: Travis and Brent are going at it again.
0: <laughs> are they really?
1: Yeah.
0: As we're recording this podcast, there is a Twitter exchange right now between Travis Fain and Brent Woodcox. Travis Fain's over at WREL. Brent Woodcox works at the General Assembly for Senator Phil Berger. I think we need to wrap this up so we can pay attention to this uh, tweet exchange. What do you think? Yes, so we hope you have a great weekend this weekend. We hope you have a great week next week.
1: And remember to do politics better. Are you going to kill that? Gosh!
0: Fly is dead.
1: <laughs> Animal oh. killer. <laughs>
0: Sorry. Let me clean up this fly before.
1: No, uh, let's just stare at yeah, it.
0: Yeah. Hold on one second. Okay.